Welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. I am your host, Ryan Hartley. This podcast is for heart-centered leaders just like you. I hope our time spent together helps you leave a heart print where those around you are left better than yesterday. These interview sessions are sponsored by our great friends at Elevate Online Marketing. On episode 200, I'm joined by Joel Green. Joel is the CEO of Pro Level Training and the National Director of Nike Sports Camps. He's a former professional basketball player and a renowned motivational speaker. After retiring from his career in professional basketball, he founded Pro Level Training, which has become a seven-figure company. He's been honored to do a TED Talk, and he is an author. He has just published his first book, Filtering, The Way to Extract Strength from the Struggle. We have an awesome conversation about extracting strength from the struggle. I hope that this conversation helps you filter your way through life and leave you a little bit better than you were yesterday. Enjoy my friends. This is episode 200. Please do share it with a friend and thank you for being here. Joe, welcome to the Always Best in Yesterday podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. In the introduction, I've just talked a little bit about your new book. And um, one of the super impressive things about that was the trailer that you guys had done. Mm-hmm. Like, what was that to like look back at? Because that was um, that it was an incredible short four minutes of your entire life, your entire journey in four minutes. Like when you first watched that back, what was that like? It was it was a little surreal, man. And it was mm-hmm. eerie at the same time, uh, because the animators did such an amazing job yeah. of recreating the storyboard that we made um, of my life. And it was like, I, I, I literally was reliving yeah. so much of what I had in my head. You know, I, I saw all these images in my head, you know, from childhood, you know, witnessing the shooting and running away from that when I was six years old and then having them to animate something like that and just, you know, you know, the passing of my brother and just those those moments that were hard for me to face throughout my life, you know, it was eerie and a little tough to even watch it straight through. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first time I saw it straight through, I was like, whoa, this is, it was hard hitting. Uh, I remember I sent it to my brother just to have him preview it before I even put it out to the world. Yeah. And he called me, he said, you okay? <laughs> right. Yeah. No, really, like he, he called me back. He lives over in Germany. I sent it to him, he said, you okay? Yeah. Say, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Cause he it it hit us that hard mm. uh to have to relive certain things. So it was it was great to see it, you know, because they they executed perfectly. Yeah. But it was a little tough for me to watch at first because it was like, man, this is this is so good that it's it felt real. Yeah. That's really powerful. Where where in the world did you grow up? What I grew up like? in uh Philadelphia. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've read a, a number of stories, you know, I, I think obviously back to the likes of, of Kevin Hart and, and Will Smith, you know, both, you know, from Philly and, you know, so I've got a, a rough understanding, but what was that really like growing up in Philly? It was tough, man. I mean, you know, Philly, it, it's a it's a powerful city. I mean, what I mean by powerful has a it's great influence on you. You know what I mean? You're more than proud to be there, you know, for sure. I, I'm, I love home. You know, everybody that's from Philly, we talk about it as if it's the only place that exists. <laughs> and I see why. It's a place of great love, togetherness, you know, but at the same time, it can be pretty dangerous, you know, depending on where you grow up. 
And that's the environment that I grew up in. It was a dangerous environment, especially when you are really trying to do something for yourself. It's a crabs in a barrel mentality sometimes to where right. others try to hold you down because it's like, well, why are you? How are you able to get out? Why, you know, why are you able to achieve? So it's it can be a rat race many times growing up in that setting. Mm. Um, but it's also that's also a part of the motivation, at least I found, because yeah. like I understand that there's a rat race of sorts. So it made me even more competitive mm. as an individual, uh, as a kid, because I realized, man, there's so many great kids of great talent, you know, in the game of basketball and in so many avenues to where I'm looking to pursue. Yeah. It made me step up my game that much more. Mm. Um, but again, you know, once you reach a certain level and you really are consistent with, you know, showing others, hey, this is what I do. This is what I want to do. Even as a kid, then others will come behind you mm. to make sure even those that's trying to pull you down that they can't because mm. they're going to make sure that they get you up, elevated and get you out of here at the same time, you know, to escape you know, the, the violence and things like that and get you a college scholarship. And, um, but Philly is an amazing place overall, man. I, I love it. It's home. One of the things that um, I really found with the trailer is that there would all, there would be a, a chapter of, you know, I guess to use your word struggle. And then after that, there would be a period of what seemed to be like focus, discipline, get your head down, study hard, work hard, whether it be your education, whether that be sports. Is, is that something that, that you channeled yourself in? Because I imagine you go one of two ways, isn't it? You either you know, be, you stay on the streets and you get involved in all the things that maybe you were too young to see. Yep. Like, How did you take that path? How did you take the path that you took? I'm glad you picked up on that from the trailer. I mean, that's exactly what my hopes were you know, for, for viewers of the trailer was them for them to see, again, that struggle point, the difficulty, um, and then see me translate that difficulty into something productive, right? Again, by way of the filtering process. And that's, that's exactly how it's been. Um, not that every pattern is that cyclic to where it's like difficulty, good, difficulty. No, it's not like that every single time. But whenever there happened to be a difficulty, I, I look to see what I can take from it. Mm -hmm. I look to see what I can draw from it as opposed to run from it. I'm not going to, you know, just run from this thing and act like it doesn't exist because yeah. it's, it's like trying to escape a shadow. <laughs> you know, it doesn't disappear <laughs> until you face it. You know what I mean? So it was like, for me, I'm not going to try to run from this dark thing. Um, I'm going to own up to it and see what motivation I can get from it and get stronger from it. You know, and so much of my strength that came from, as you just mentioned, from learning, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of what I feared throughout my life was just, I feared it because I was ignorant toward that topic. I didn't understand it enough. Uh, and that ignorance led to fear. And the more I began just researching and learning about different things, learning about myself, yeah, I feared so much less. And um, that's just really how, you know, what you witnessed that's that that was the truth behind it all hey my friends i hope you're enjoying the interview so far just wanted to take a quick moment to let you know that we are in the middle of our first cohort of good fathers a six-week group coaching program for dads it is my heart to create a space for these good men to leave them better for those who call them dads we're having some intentional purposeful conversations that i can see the men in front of me 
are transforming in front of my eyes. They are having conversations that they've never had with anyone else and it is powerful and it is going to help them be much more loving and intentional fathers, intentional partners. And because I have such undying belief in the power of this group, I am bringing about a second cohort starting on Monday the 9th of January 2023. We're going to kick off with cohort two. If you are a dad that wants to be even better for those who call you dad, then head over to the website abty.co.uk forward slash goodfathers. The link is in the show notes. Have a look and it'd be my honour and privilege to have you come and join us and other good men from around the world as we journey in what it means to be a good father. Here we go. Back to the interview. What was your family unit like growing up? Was that a, a source of, um, you know, role model, support, encouragement, or, or were you going it somewhat alone? No, I was never alone. Uh, fortunately, I always had my family. No matter whether we were growing up in a, in, in the hood in the ghetto, uh, with you know not as many resources as we would have liked, we were all always together. You know, six of us, you know, in the same house. Um, whether it was growing up in, in the condemned house, the abandoned house mm. that, you know, I lived in for the first seven, eight years of my life. Uh, we were always together. You know, my mm. parents at the helm of this thing, making sure me and my three siblings were just right-minded, you know, as much as we could be, as far as thinking with a vision, thinking ahead beyond where we currently were, yeah. just to let us know, hey, there's something greater out there beyond where you currently are. They would plant so many seeds in us, man. It, was, it wasn't even funny. And, and they were intentional about it. Mm. And I do the same thing with, with my child now, my son. He's planting seeds because I know it's not for me to see them things grow right. Those seeds grow right now. It's not about that. It's just my job to plant them and water them. He'll help them to grow as he apply those things. And um, I always had a great support system with my parents. And then as I began playing basketball, Mm. had some great coaches that said okay you have some potential you have a right mind on you uh we're going to protect you we're going to make sure that you know since you are a good kid you know we can tell that you want better we're going to make sure that we help you get better yeah that's really powerful and i know that it's uh, a big part of your heart to to keep going back to that environment to keep going back to some of your roots Mm. you know why why is that important to you oh super important i mean you know it, it, it keeps me, humility is, is very important for me, man. I, I know that's what's gotten me where I am today. It's got mm-hmm. me where I'm going. Mm-hmm. And it, it's taking me where I'm going, rather. So for me to stay in that, you know, that state of humility, um, I have to have to remind myself often, look, here's where you come from. Remember those moments. Remember when. So that I don't get too high-minded on life. I, I'm not... I don't even like when I witness other people mm. being too big for others. No one's mm. too big for anybody, in my opinion. I don't care how wealthy, how rich, how many accolades you have. You are it's human and human interaction all the time, in my opinion. So, yeah. you know, I take myself back home to to remind myself, like, okay, man, and it it, it feels good too, because again, it's home. So it just it feels good to go back to my old neighborhood, just to sit outside of my old house. You know, I don't tell anybody really. I just go and I do it randomly. If I happen to be, let's say, 10 minutes away, I'm like, you know, let me drive past and just sit across the street or sit out front. And sometimes I'll get out and, and walk around the block. 
Mm. You know, and that's that's what I did when the last time that I went over there, walked over to the playground. And I'm yeah. a grown man. I walked over to the playground I used to go to, and I walked inside the rec center and just said, hey, hey to the people. They didn't remember me, you know, but it just felt good. I remember the smell of the rec center. I just remember it was all still the same. So it just keeps me in a place of, of remembrance, of humility, mm. um, and just keeps me working hard because it, it, it puts me back in that place of, I'll be honest, desperation um mm. that i felt that helped get me out of that yeah. and i love putting myself in a place of desperation in business because mm. it keeps that hustle there for me i don't get complacent so I, I do those things intentionally which sounds a little crazy for some but uh, i love being in that place yeah i am um, throughout my throughout my life I've, I've always been quite passionate about what i do and and do in the sense of doing what i love and and i guess i got into my 20s and i started to put words to that and and you know the, the work of people like simon sinek talking about purpose it really inspired me but then i came across this idea that actually there's a great level of purpose in our pain you know, it was, nice, it was a nice thing to do to look at the things I was passionate about, but my real true purpose was hidden in my pain. And, and when I started to journey around that concept, everything just started to become so much more uh, fulfilling and powerful. I guess at what point in your journey did, you know, this this concept of filtering um, become, you know, core and, and, and center to your, your mindset? Pretty early. And it's funny you touched on that. That's, that's actually chapter two of my book. It's called The Purposes of Our Pain. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's like that, that, that's, you know, that's a big component in regards to how I operate. I, I lean into the pain, painful moments of my past, present, whatever the case is, because like you said, this purpose is mm -hmm. the pain doesn't come for, for nothing, right? Like there's a reason why it came, mm -hmm. why it lasted. And so many times if we don't find out that reason, that pain keeps coming back again and again and again. You keep asking why it's because you haven't leaned into it. You keep running from it. You keep trying to medicate that pain, you know, figuratively. And that medication just covers it up for a moment, mm -hmm. but it's still there. And it's like, not until you really filter it, you break it down you try to really realize like, why does it come? And at the same time, what benefit, benefit can I find by trying to dig into this thing to realize why it came. And that's when people become stronger when they realize, okay, this thing made me feel weak, but now that I realize the reason why it came, I'm gonna become stronger as a result. Um, but, but again, for me, it came pretty early in life. Uh, again, by way of a few things that I mentioned, you know, yeah. just even racial things that I experienced early on. You know, I was chased by the cops when I was seven years old. I didn't even put this in the book. There's a couple of things I didn't even put in the book, but mm. you know, me and my brother and our friends, we were chased in, you know, by the cops. We were over there in the park playing and they chased us mm. around and they were in their car. We were on feet, you know, on our on our on, mm. on foot. And we were chased by the cops. And, you know, uh just you know, for being, I'll be honest, you know, where we grew up, being young and black, yeah, it was it was difficult you know, in, in the eyes of police officers, like they, you know, they'll tell you, hey, you know, so they don't tell another kid, hey, that may not look like us. And, um, you know, I had a knife put out on me when I was nine years old, you know, by two white kids, because I was, quote unquote, in the wrong neighborhood, and called me the N-word. Mm. And I was nine. So, I mean, going through those painful experiences like that, um, it taught me quite a bit. Uh, it gave me a level of awareness 
when it came to life that I didn't realize I needed just yet, but mm. it helped me to grow. It helped me to be ahead of the game as I grew older. And I realized the benefit of those painful situations. Yeah. And I said, okay, let me actually begin to capitalize on this benefit and begin to break these things down. Why did I go through this? Once I began to ask myself those questions as a teenager, man, yeah. I mean it, as a teenager, I began finding motivation and ways to apply, you know, uh, strength from those moments onto the basketball court. Mm. I would be angry from those moments, but like Ryan, I was, I was angry as a, as a child, man. And I was able to draw the anger from those situations and then apply it on the basketball court. And that would help me to excel. So yeah. the filtering process, man, it occurred for me early on, you know, as a teenager, I lost tragically one of my older brothers, you know, and again, I began to ask myself these questions and um, begin just really excelling despite, you know, those, those circumstances. Be very easy to start to see the world as a negative, uh, an unsafe place. Yeah, very easy. Very easy. To easily, start to easily, see. man. You can walk around afraid. It's, it's. Mm. People do, you know. Back home, I mean, it's. And I see why. I understand why. You know what I mean. Um, and that's why I do what I do now. That's why I wrote the book. That's why I speak to people from the stage. It's like yeah. you don't have to fear. You know what I mean. There's things that can take you to the other side of the spectrum. You don't have to be afraid of life. You don't have to be afraid of failing. You don't have to be afraid of, you know, not being perfect. Yeah. Be insecure. That means you're human. It's all right. You know, but just notice those moments of insecurity and those areas of insecurity so that you can work to secure them. There's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with having shortcomings. And that's one thing I had to realize because I was trying to be perfect at one point, man. And it's like, no, stop. That's too much pressure. Like you will never be there, but there's nothing wrong with at least saying, okay, I have room to improve. And what gives me peace is working toward improvement, man. It's not about perfection, yep. but I just feel good about working toward securing my insecure areas. You got the opportunity to do a TEDx talk and, um, you know, you talk about the, the topic of race and, and that's what you chose to use your, your time on the red stage to talk about. Why, why that and, and not filtering? Why was that um, important to you to talk about at that time? It's funny, just as you said, at that time, uh, it was a, a heightened time of, you know, uh, as I put it, r racial inequality, you know, especially when it came to police officers, Black America, mm. man, it was, it was a height, heightened time of it. George Floyd just happened, mm -hmm. incident in, in Minnesota and um, Breonna Taylor, just, Mod Aubrey, yeah. it was back to back to back to back. It was yeah. constant. And this is what I was constantly talking about behind the scenes, off camera, you know, with my family members, you know, with uh, just friends, our group chats and things like that. It was heavy on my heart. Mm. And I wanted to do a TED talk for years. And I thought for sure I'll be talking more so about filtering, <laughs> you know, all these different things. I'm like, man, no, I, I cannot have this opportunity to be on this stage past and not and, and be african-american mm. and not touch on these things because i felt like an opportunity i, I would have been doing not just my people but america a disservice if i didn't speak on it because mm. there's not many people from a ted stage speaking on those topics um it's more just motivation it's more just mm -hmm. insight which is great that's why i've gotten into the ted 
uh, mm-hmm. platform um, and been a, a fan for years. But I felt compelled, man. And everything in me told me I better not speak on anything else besides that. You know, it was during, you know, the height of the Black Lives Matter and all, all these different things that was going on. I felt like I had to do my part. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I'm so glad I, I tackled those things and just was not just bringing up the topics of it as so many people would bring them up in an enraged and angered way, but here's a solution yeah. that we can all use and apply to bring us all together. Cause it was, we were so divided, man. And it's, you know, still are in so many ways, unfortunately, but um, I just felt compelled to, to discuss that topic versus my original plan. Um, Cause I presented something to them completely different. Right. And by the time all this stuff started happening and then shutdowns occurred and said, okay, you're going to have to be virtual. I said, okay, I know what I'm going to speak on. Is this okay? They said, we want you to. Mm. Yeah. Thank you for that. It's really, really powerful. What led you to um, pro level training? Uh, experience, you know, my experience. So me just being an athlete and loving it, I, mm. man, it's, being an athlete for me, especially at a high level, was just, it was the best. That's what I worked toward my whole life. And I finally got it. I'm like, whoa, this feels amazing. I'm achieving. I'm literally walking in my dream and living my dream. And I love training. Like I, I always loved the training side of things. Every trainer I had, you know, athletic trainer, strength trainer, I would ask them so many questions, man. It wasn't funny. And, you know, none of them actually said it to me, but I knew that I wanted to do that once I retired one day, like I just, I, for whatever reason, I just took, I got a high off of just like going to the gym early in the morning, mm-hmm. being on a track at four thirty, five in the morning and just getting better. I was, it was so fulfilling for me. I'm like, man, I want to give other people this feeling. So while I was even playing, I got my business license when I was playing over in, in Ireland mm-hmm. professionally. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do something with my experience that I'm gaining and during my off seasons, I began training some kids back home. I would have, I would have them come to the gym, gym with me at like five in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then as a thank you afterward, I would show them some, some stuff for about 20 minutes. Yeah. And, um, they always, you know, they were excited for that. Cause it was like, Oh man, we training with a pro stuff like that. And it turned itself honestly into a business. And I would tell them, hey, look, tell a couple of your friends to come next time, mm. you know? And all of a sudden I would say, I have a small group and, you know, the parents would, you know, give, I would say, all right, cool, $25, nothing much, just, you know, just to make use of my time. Mm. And it just organically turned itself into a business by me just literally applying my expertise and yeah. giving them a glimpse of what it felt like to be a pro. You know, they weren't there, yeah. but I wanted them to feel like what it felt like to be at the pro level. Mm. so again pro level training Mm. it it explains itself i want to give kids a glimpse of what it takes to get you there yeah and also what it feels like to actually be there already Mm. you know what i mean and so with our camps that we have all all across the country and in canada as well that's what we do you know by way of our pro level training uh nike Mm. camps and um it's fun man i I love it and i get to tap into the kids you know minds and mentalities quite a bit so that's the best part i mean i'm no pro level athlete but um a lot of it comes down to the, the habits right and um 
you know, I coach my son, my son's 10 and he's got a, a soccer team. And, you know, we just talk about, you know, some of the, you know, the pro mindset in terms of, you know, kit's nice and clean. Your boots are clean. You're good to go. You've got all the, you know, you take responsibility for your, your kit, your body, you sleep well the night before. So we're just trying to install these little kind of habits to get them to think, but I, you're the expert in my friend. Like, so what, um, what might the habits of a, of a pro level athlete look like? Again, just whatever the habits that you do, you have, right? Mm. Consistency. Like yeah. if you have, you know, a habit of doing this, this and that toward getting better at your sport. Okay. Be consistent with it. Mm. So that's what I teach my, my son is nine, right? So same age range, you know, and that's what I teach him. Okay. You tell me if you want to get better at this, here's what you got to do. All right. Good job. Now do it again. Right. And <laughs> yeah. okay. You did it again. Great. Now do it again. Yeah. And it's just, you know, keeping him consistent with it. And saying, okay, I know you enjoy the video games, but you tell me you want to do better next game than you did the last game. Okay, here's what you got to do before you pick up the controller. Here's what you got to do after the homework or some, things like that. So yeah. that's what I teach, you know, kids and, and honestly adults that I work with as well. Mm. It's the consistency. If you want this thing to be on autopilot for you, you want it to be automated for you. You just got to be so consistent with building this thing so we can literally do it with your eyes closed. And... I tell my, I've told my son the story to where my trainer had me shooting free throws every day, you know, with my eyes closed hmm. and we would have the first 20 minutes be in the dark. And he said, hmm. okay, I'll have them turn the lights on, you know, after in about 20 minutes. So I'm like, all right, cool. No problem. And I said, it, it, it's just, I did it so consistently to where I knew I can do this with my eyes closed. Hmm. And that's where I try to get people to the point to where it's not just, that more so but just being consistent man to where you know you you don't have anxiety or, or fear mm. toward your performance yeah or toward your potential like you know you'll do well in some facet of the game you may be hot in this facet maybe cold tonight here mm. but you know that no matter what at least your effort will be there because your effort is so consistent toward just building what you what you do so that that's the main thing man it's that, that's mm. the, the secret sauce is really just doing what you do but just do it consistently yeah. the ones that we see stand out are the most consistent people mm. i interviewed a chap um a few months back he he wrote a book called men are from mars women are from venus one of the most popular books of the 90s and he said that you know the biology of a man is is obviously to have more testosterone and and, and what he says is that men are at their best when they're you know um that they're, when they're struggling effectively when they're working hard doing what is difficult you know the chase the the, the go and pursue stuff yeah. right as we would have done in our cave days and yet the world is full of estrogen um creating kind of stimulus whether it be doing nice things like having a beer with your mates whether it be mm -hmm. nice things of the foods that we eat the culture the netflix all of those things they're creating more estrogen in men and, and therefore our, our men seem to be less doing what is difficult there seems to be a less of a desire for this generation of men to do less of what is is difficult what's your perspective on that agreed, <laughs> agreed. <laughs> you know look I, I i will not run from that fact man it, we we live in a different day now uh to where we want ease we want everything to be easy because 
technology has made it that way for us. You know, we have, we live in the Insta generation, Instagram, Instacart, everything is instant. Everything is, we get that immediate gratification from so many things. We want it everywhere now. So with that desire to want everything instantly, we negate processes. We throw out processes. We throw out the journey. We, we, though we dismiss those things so much to where now we're not willing to work toward things as we did in the past. We don't mm -hmm. get that, that adrenaline rush from the, the chase yeah. because we don't want to chase yeah. that and much the, anymore. And the growth's on the other side of the chase. It, exactly. Exactly. I mean, and, that, and that's, that's so many people miss out because it's like, man, you don't know what's on the other side of heart because yeah. you're not doing it. everything you want is easy. Yeah. It's one thing to be a man in this current climate, but also to be raising a boy. Um, know, I'm, yeah. I'm reading so much at the moment. There's a book called The Boy Crisis um, by a guy called Dr. Warren Fowler. If you've not read it, it's, it's incredibly powerful to, to understand the world that our boys are growing up in. And, and I guess, you know, I, I've just stepped out onto the water with, um, you know, leading a men's group for the first time. I, I've been coaching groups for a very, very long time, but I'm specifically coaching a, a group of fathers in this journey around what it means to be a good father. And I'd just love to know from, from your perspective, what does it mean to be a good father? And what are some of the values that you'd love to instill in your son? Number one, you have to be interested in it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I know that sounds super basic. Like, mm. It almost sounds duh, like of course, no, but you have yeah. to be interested yeah. in in fatherhood and in, in building and instilling qualities on purpose. Yeah. Right? Like intentional. And for me, that's 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 who I am in a nutshell. I'm so intentional, so intentional about instilling things into my son. And he knows it at this at this facet now. He like he literally knows last year before you know school, we went we went over and again you can definitely relate as far as reading and comprehension so that was what he was doing a whole lot of it in third grade and still doing it more so now in fourth grade but I developed quote cards right some were my own quotes some were just Bruce Lee quotes you know he loves kung fu and things like that so you know mine you know bending and, and expanding quotes every morning in the car before school he had to read the quote and tell me what he thinks it meant Hmm. and I wanted to hear his philosophy. I wanted to hear how he comprehended things when it comes, yeah. when it comes to life. I wanted to hear how he views the world, right? So with that right there, I'm helping to build his mindset, Yeah. right? And I, I love doing things like that for him. Yeah. I'm just interested in his growth. I'm interested in seeing who he's going to be tomorrow, yeah. right? And so as a father, I've, again, I've spoken to other fathers as well just about different things. I'm like, look, show great interest in your child. You know what I mean? Show interest in their interests. And that's for me, a, a big thing that has made me enjoy, you know, the journey of fatherhood so much because I'm so interested in his interests. I'm interested in who he's going to be, but I have to be intentional about teaching him what I currently know. That's all mm -hmm. I can teach him. I can, I'm just trying to give him what I know in moderation to where he can handle it. Yeah. And, you know, that's, if I can give anybody any tips on fatherhood, I would just say, give them what you know in right. moderation and be really yeah. interested in their interest. Well, one of my uh, fathers on the group, he, he, he pretty much said that. He said, I come to, I come to reflect that my dad was a great man. 
but he didn't teach me any of it. <laughs> it's not it's not until he moved out of home and he realized that he couldn't put something up on the wall or you know those mm-hmm. sorts of things. Right, right, right. Yeah, I um I spoke with my son the other day. We're quite open as a family. We 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 speak quite a lot and um I was oh. just saying, you know, sometimes running business is really tricky. It can be really hard and you know my energy at that time was was pretty low. And he said, "Well, and I said, look, I'm I'm okay. I'm at peace because this is my life's work. I'll be doing this for the next 30 years, you know. And he's like, I hope you do. Like my son was like, I hope you do, Dad. And I said, oh, thanks, mate. Like, That's why? Cool. He said, because because it's really making a difference, he says. That's cool. so, so I'm like, obviously, my love language is words of affirmation. So I'm probing him a little bit. I'm, yeah, <laughs> tell me yeah, what yeah. you know. And I said to him, I said, well, what impact do you think it makes then? And he just, he looked around and he just said, I think you're going to make a difference to the next generation. Wow. I'm like, I he gets that. it. He gets it. And I, and I guess that's, that's kind of what I'm saying is, you know, your son at nine, mine at 10, you yeah. know, they, they soak this up, they get it. And, and it's not from the outside. Like I'm trying to discipline my son in a way of thinking and acting. Right. Because a lot of it comes to be about his own expression of his own thoughts. Exactly. But we're giving him a, a, a kind of sense of identity because, you know, I, I had a parenting expert on on the show uh, a couple of weeks ago, and one of his books, "Hold On to Your Kids," says if we don't instill our kids with a sense of values, then the world will. Man, and that's scary, right? That's scary. Yeah, and and the cultural yeah. values then become the cost of their acceptance, which is even more man, scary. That's deep. Yeah, that, that, that's a scary thought, man. I mean, it's if you feel like you know better. It's like, yeah, you got to teach them. You got to teach them what you know. And that's that's one thing, too. Um, I forget who it was that asked me. But this was probably over a year ago. Um, they asked, you know, are you afraid of your son being out in the world? I said, not really. I said, because I feel like by the time he is out in the world, he'll be prepared for it. Mm. And um, that's the best I can do, right? Like, that's literally the, the best I can do is give him as much as I can give him, yeah. instilling him at every stage of his life, every age of his life, as much as I can give him. And it doesn't stop. Once he's out of the house, he's a grown man, I'm gonna still yeah. be giving him fruit. You know what I mean? My, mm. I, I call my father now, you know, mm. he's still giving me nuggets, you know? And it's like, that's what it's about. So I'm not fearful of him being out there. Obviously, I, you know, I pray against influence you know what I mean? To where it's like, I hope, you know, this doesn't influence him, that doesn't influence him. But at the same time, I'm preparing his mind saying, hey, look, if those influences come, here's what you got to do. You got to be wise. You know what I mean? And that's, that's, that's what it's all about. I'm not, I'm not one that enjoys living in fear, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't want to fear for him. I don't want to fear for myself. Yep. So the best I can do is help prepare him and protect him as much as I can. Yeah. And, uh, and and trust God at the end of the day, man. Yeah. And the words that you use was intentional. And, and I think that's it, isn't it? You know, I, I've come to the, realize that there's a, a level of peace that I will inevitably make mistakes as a, as a father and that there's mm-hmm. plenty of grace for that. But um, yeah, it's purposeful, intentional. And um, I think John Wooden says that uh, the satisfaction of knowing that we did our best is, is peace. Peace is the yeah. result. Love it. If someone's going through, um, you know, some struggles at the moment, what is the way that they can filter their current situation and turn that struggle into strength? Please, believe, you know, be curious. Be curious about the other side. 
you know that that's one thing that doesn't intrigue people enough uh it's another side to to difficulty it's always another side of difficulty and i know it's easy to say but got to be aware of it you really have to be aware that number one where you currently are is not going to last forever it's really not it's, 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 it hasn't come to stay it's come to pass it's come to leave but you you have to be curious about the other side and as you become more curious about the other side and you look into the other side that will be what gets you through that's what, what will be what gets you to the other side because your focus will be more on the improvement of that difficulty versus the difficulty in itself mm. but when we're so focused and just in the moment of the difficulty instead of again filtering it breaking it down to again extract some type of strength or intelligence or wisdom from what we're going through mm. you'll keep going through that same situation on one side of that situation is going to likely be the difficult side of it so you know i, I would tell them to to be curious about the other side because it exists mm. and you have a choice to entertain that other side or stay exactly where you are amidst the difficulty but i promise you with strength within that difficulty be guy lean into it and look into it yeah yeah i love that there's a lot of anxiety in our young kids at the moment you know whether it be because of the fear through the world and the social media usage and, and all sorts of things in between but um what sort of transformations do you see when they come to your sports camps? Man, major. Uh, again, it's, it's the, the inner confidence is it, it's it's hard to even explain the inner confidence that these kids have, and I mean over the period of a week. Yeah, you know, from from Monday to Friday, we you know depending on the camp, and I've had let's say one of my basketball camps. We do a number of sports, but let's say one of my basketball camps last year, um, we ran. And we had the kids on day one do 100 jumping jacks, right? And they were like, oh, man, by the end of the oh, my goodness, I, I so many. You see kids literally on the floor afterward. I'm yeah. like, get up, you yeah. know. And my coaches, they know me by now as a director. They know there's more coming, right? Mm -hmm. So just to fast forward a little bit, by Wednesday, they're doing 300. And by Friday, they're doing 500 jumping jacks. They don't see it coming, but all of a sudden, yeah. they went from complaining about 100, ah, oh, we only did 50 in gym class. You know, this is not gym class, right? Like, <laughs> you're here to get better. We're going to help you get better. And yeah. I tell them by Friday, when we have our commencement with the parents, Yeah, I let them know it wasn't about the jumping jacks at all. Yeah. Right? It was about seeing that they can do something that they thought was unattainable. And they did it within a week's time period. And now they realize, man, I can apply the same mindset somewhere else academically in school yeah. or toward my other activity, toward music or some other interests or arts that I'm in interested in to where you have to begin exploring mm -hmm. beyond your current threshold. The moment you start exploring beyond your current threshold, you know, your, stamp, your current state of stamina, but you do it step by step, oh. you will see how you can just become amazing like that. And I let those kids know, like, look, I know it hurts, mm. but growth hurts. It's called growth. It's growing pains for a reason. Like, mm. but you grow and you just level up. So 
that's one thing I see with these kids, man. Besides the social component, which is always great to see them make friends, mm. man, just to see their inner confidence by Friday to say, yeah. coach, man, I, I'm going to do 200 at home on my own. It's like, wow. Like, I, I've almost been brought to tears with kids coming yeah. up to me like, I told my mom that I did 400 jumping jacks. Like, I love seeing that because they yeah. believe in themselves more. Powerful. So powerful. And that's like a life-giving thing, isn't it? Like that... I have a word called heartprint. And, and for me, that's like the the legacy of our interactions like that. You know, whilst you might be there for five days, that's like a lifetime of habit that can give and give and keep giving and keep giving. I find that really, really powerful. And yet it just goes to show how much potential people leave on the table every single day. Every day. Yeah, every, every day. day. What's what I know you're passionate about accountability. You know, what role does accountability play in all this? That's, that's, you know, I'm not going to say it's everything, but it's close to it. Uh, when it comes to wanting to be, wanting to, wanting to improve, wanting to grow, uh, wanting to have success within whatever you're doing, a relationship, uh, a business, any profession, you know, um, everything, you got to hold yourself accountable for it. I mean, you can't, can't have all of these reasons that don't include yourself. If you do, that's probably an excuse. Like if you're coming up with this reason that that went wrong, that reason that that went wrong, it's not going right. And you're not ever saying yourself, you're probably making a bunch of different excuses. You're not holding yourself accountable. So I think by us holding ourselves accountable, we then realize that we have the ability to, again, either create or deteriorate our realities. You know, we have the ability to literally make happen what we desire to make happen. This is not metaphysical stuff that I'm talking about, but this is actually just reality. Like we have the ability to have a great relationship. Yeah. Even if it's just from our side and not from the other person's, you know, part, you know, part in the relationship. You know, it's not just uh, an intimate relationship, but it can be a business relationship, whatever. If you hold yourself accountable, you're doing your part. Mm. And that's all you can really do. But so many of us don't hold ourselves accountable for our, our happenings and our end results because it's easy to blame shift. So for me, I, I love to hold myself accountable just so I know exactly what you said earlier about from John Wooden. I love to know that I'm just doing my absolute best pretty much, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, and that comes by way of holding myself accountable. And if I come up short, hey, so be it. I did my best. Yeah. And I'm just going to now make an adjustment to do my best again. Yeah, I I have some funny thoughts every now and again. And one of the things I've been kind of thinking about for the last year or so is this idea that we are the only species on this planet that can go to the grave having not reached our potential. Right. <laughs> like the animal kingdom is just the animal kingdom. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But, but that's that's the bridge of accountability, isn't it? The I think for me, yeah. accountability is that do I run on autopilot? Or do I come and see what I'm capable of? Man. I mean, that's that's the that's okay. One of the scariest things about life is being on autopilot. Um, out outside of your without having your hands on the steering wheel hmm. of that plane or that vehicle of life, because now someone else or something else is running your life and putting you on autopilot just put a battery pack in your back and they just all right go and you don't realize until 40 years later like man i haven't done anything that i am interested in doing or i haven't done things that i used to be interested in as a kid and i just let it get out you know get lost 
in the world because I'm just so tied up with all this life. It's scary when you think I've talked to people mm. and it's like, they'll give me insight, say, look, no, do what you do, what you want to do. Pursue the things that you feel like you can have an impact and an influence. And I'm like, all right, cool. Thank you so much. And I, I heard the regret in their voice. I'm like, I don't, I don't want that. Mm. You know, I, I don't want to have life be so consuming to where it swallows me up. And I look mm. back a decade later or even a year later and say, man, why didn't I pursue this or that? Why didn't I make that move to just connect with this person that I wanted to connect with? Or, you know, it, I don't like regret, man. You know, it, it's that it, it can punch you in the face. Like it, it, it can be yeah. really painful. Well, that, yeah, yeah. That's where the sleepless nights come from, isn't it? And uh, so someone once said, you know, when you take responsibility, you improve your ability to respond. And I was like, I love that. I love it. I love it. And, that, and that's, it's fun. I, like a small, literally small portion, not even a full sub chapter or anything, but I talk about having, you know, re response ability, just yeah. having the ability to respond. So it's like, I, I, I love that because I'm big on not, I did talk about this in the book, uh, reacting versus re responding. Mm. And um, I'm just big on responding more to life as opposed to reacting because then I'm acting in accordance to whatever external stimulus yeah had done or person had done and they're controlling me at that point i i think what you've just described there is self-leadership you Absolutely. know if Absolutely. i'm just um if i'm just reacting then i'm not assuming any self-leadership whereas if i'm exactly. taking the time to be able to lead myself then i'm going to lead us in whatever situation hopefully to to a higher degree of, of outcome exactly. like how do you if you were to take back, because that, that's huge with your sporting career, you know, that ability to lead yourself. You can't just rely on all your coaches to extract your potential. There's there's a huge amount of, you know, that self-discipline that you talk about. How do you, here's where I want to go with it. How do you see that those um, self-leadership skills that you've developed in your, in your course sporting career, how does that, flow through the rest of life through business through life having started in sport but where does it else does it flow <laughs> everywhere <laughs> you know I, the fact that i played a sport for over 20 years of my life yeah you know um i've been in basketball more than i've been out of basketball in sports more than i've been out of sports it's become my makeup it's, it's my dna at this point um it's taken over the strands of my dna you know and so just so much of the mentality that I gained, again, the accountability that I gained, because again, like you said, I can't rely on my coach to wake me up during the off season when I'm nowhere right. near him. You know, I have to hold myself accountable and saying, okay, I'm going to take care of business during this off season of two to three months and get back to them, get back to that coach and be better by that time. That's when I had to be most disciplined, you know, in, in college and in high school. And definitely as a pro, because you don't have anybody checking up on you as a pro, you know, outside of the people that you may hire, like your trainers or something like that. This is all on you. You're not living with your parents, really. You know, it's like you, you have to wake yourself up, get yourself to the track, get yourself to the weight room, to the gym and to the fields and things like that. And so for me now, 
And all of my teachings, again, you know, I'm, I'm a father first before anything else. Mm -hmm. And so with my son, he knows what one more means for me. Like I, I had something I went through in college where my coaches always say, all right, one more. We were done all our reps. All right, guys, one more. We're like, oh, man, one more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He would tell us 10 and we do end up doing 17 because that was, ended up being our threshold. He made us find our threshold where we couldn't go anymore, right? Yeah. And, you know, Kobe Bryant, I was fortunate to have a conversation with him for about 30 minutes one day. He told me I had to be willing to see black. Mm. You know, when I, when I was going after anything, I'm like, that is, that sounded scary, but I get it. And I, mm. I teach other people the same way as far as like, in, in the ways of safety to where like, if you're pursuing anything, you got to you got to test your boundaries a little bit. You got to, if you want to be your greatest, like if anybody ever comes to me and express, they want me to help them be their greatest. I say, say no more. I got you. Mm. I'm going to take you to your wits end. You may have, we may have tears together. We're going to laugh, but we may, you may, you may cry every once in a while. I get it. But I understand through those tears. Some, again, there's something on the other side of those tears. You will be so glad that you endured this thing that may not have always been enjoyable, but you're going to realize how adorable it is. And on the other side of this thing, you're going to be like, wow. I've, I, I'm so confident. I'm so great. And again, like you said, I can now apply these things in other areas of life. So everything that I've gained from sports, the mentality, the mindsets, um, I apply it in business. I apply it as the father when I'm teaching my son how to work hard. Mm -hmm. Work ethic has been the best thing I've ever learned from sports. Yeah. You know, outside of teamwork. You know, now I'm able to work with others in business. You know, I, I know how to respect authority figures. I had to respect my coach. Mm -hmm. So those intangible things, I now relate to my son and others. Mm. So often people visualize goals and they think about that successful moment. They might think about, you know, shooting that, uh, that buzzer moment, you know, mm -hmm. uh, What's the greatest moment of your sporting career? And how do you kind of reflect back on that? I've had some great ones. Um, 2005, 2006, actually. Uh, I won back-to-back -back national championships in college, but I did it at two different schools. Mm -hmm. so I was at this school, won a national championship. I transferred to be closer to home mm -hmm. to another school and actually pulled it off again. <laughs> and won another national championship, but with a different team. Yeah. Um, that second one, it was so gratifying. That was the coach that taught me that whole one more mentality. Yeah. He, he broke me down, man. He, he helped me. He stripped me of mm. the pride that I had <laughs> in myself, the ego. I'm serious. The with, ego, yeah, the pride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And had me start from scratch. Yeah. And that, I found out how beautiful that was because I already was, was good. Yeah. And a champ. <laughs> and a champion, right? <laughs> so, you know, I was the only person on that team that ever, that, that won a cha national championship. The coach never won a national But the fact that he stripped me so much of the pride and ego and things like that, and I had to start from scratch, mm. my, I was already at my ceiling, but that ceiling became my floor, mm. right? Starting from scratch, I had to start over. So I was already up here. But the fact that that now became my floor, I grew even more and created a whole new ceiling. So that was probably the most gratifying thing for me because he taught me how to 
get better, get better, get better, become my greatest. But to find a way to humble myself, yeah, to get even better than that. Yeah. And so that mindset, man, this is what I apply in business and in sport and in life now to where it's like it's always somewhere else you can grow to as long as there's an interest to grow. Yeah. And it's always a, another way to grow and improve other areas. And so that's, that's, I would say the most gratifying thing I've picked up from sports and from that year, that moment that I had winning 29 straight games and winning the championship. And that came after a really bad loss, by the way, I have to mention that, you know, we were predict, you were, you know, projected to be number one in the country and all this stuff, but we had this horrible loss. We lost by like 20 points mm -hmm. uh, this one game. It was seven games in. And I, we had some crazy practices, right? I'll say that. And we never lost again. Um, but it came after the loss. So I realized how important even that loss was, right? Mm -hmm. It taught us something and it we we didn't want to taste that anymore. And so I found beauty even in that, man. It was it was a great year. So good. So good. I think I think the all blacks have a phrase called go for the gap, which is like when the best are at their best, the best get better. And, and and it's yeah i think if you don't have that humility you don't look for those opportunities to, mm -hmm. to get better you, you're quite happy being at the top of the pile and you know sooner or later someone else will overtake you and replace you exactly exactly i mean that's that's, that's nothing but truth man I, i've been there you know i've been replaced <laughs> you know so right. i know how it feels to be on the top and to be honestly i'll be honest be complacent to rest on my laurels and then be played out of position so the fact that I've had that taste in my mouth before, I don't want that any longer. And I now know what uh, tools and still gaining tools, man. I'm, I'm, I'm big on constantly growing. I have yeah. not reached anywhere near my threshold yet. Yeah. So, you know, I, I just know what some things taste like though. And I'm like, I don't want to taste that again. I don't want to experience that again. Let me do this or that to combat complacency. Let me act as if I suck, right? Like, let me just act like I, I never achieved anything. And like I mentioned earlier, I put myself in, in, in moments of desperation. Yeah. Mentally, I may not be desperate. I may not be in need of money, right? Or revenue, but I act like I am. I promise you, right? Like, I, I, I will tell myself, nope, you guys are broke. I told my son, no, we got no money, man. Why are you asking for that, right? <laughs> Why are you acting like we can afford that? Yeah, you know, yeah. and if we, even if we can, I want him to know, no, we have to work for this. Yeah. Yeah. Character building. That's what good, dads are good for, building character. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what, what do you hope for people that pick up a copy of your book and, and they sit down and they, and they read your, your story that you've taken so much time and effort to put into? What do you hope that they take from, from reading it? Ultimately, I want them to feel some conviction. Right. I want them to feel that they can be doing so much more for themselves. And again, that, that's the main thing for themselves. And I don't mean that selfishly, um, but they have to stop relying on everything and everyone else to validate themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. To build them up when you have the ability to validate and to build yourself up. You have the ability to become your own therapist. Nothing wrong with going to therapy. But again, that therapist doesn't live with you, right? You, what about those moments to where you have to handle things on your own? So with this book, with filtering, with the whole method of filtering, 
and being able to, again, extract strength from struggle, I want people to be able to pick up on that, that ability to do, to have this protocol in place for themselves to be able to grow in moments that once used to break them down. Mm. Now seeing that, that opportunity that was once a burden, now seeing that opportunity as a boost, say, okay, no, this is actually a great thing that I'm going through right now. Here's how I'm not going to just get through this thing. I'm going to propel to the other side of this thing. So that's that's my hopes, my prayers for those that read this book. Um, I've been getting amazing, amazing, amazing feedback so far, man. It's been so gratifying just mm-hmm. to hear how it's helping people out already. Um, so that, that's, that's my hope for everyone. Yeah, love that. Uh, picking up on the word I used earlier, heart print. What... Um... So Heartprint is the is the legacy of our interactions with people. And, and I think we are either leaving people better than we found them or, or not. And we're always making an impact, whether that be conscious or unconscious. And uh, you're putting so much good out into the world. And I just wonder what you think your Heartprint, what your legacy will be. Perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just really being able to see things, seeing life, seeing people. Um through multiple lenses, you know, I feel like we need to, to have a greater understanding of people who may not look like us, who may not sound like us, who may not be where we're from. You have to have greater perspectives to even have empathy toward other people, to be able to feel what others may feel, even if you never felt it, right? So I'm just doing my absolute best to help instill that in other people um, so that they aren't you know, one, one-sided, single-minded, um, and just so subjective in their thinking, which leads again to being closed-minded. So for me, my legacy, it, I would love for it to be the fact that I help other people to gain perspective on life. Yeah, that's really powerful. My friend, thank you so much for time out your day. I'd be honored if you'd leave us a final thought from your good self. Ah, thanks, man. I, I appreciate it, man. It's, it, if I can leave, you know, um, you guys will want, want one final thing. I, I would just help put people in a mindset of realizing, we, can, we talk about difficulty a lot in this conversation. I feel like I, I, feel like I, can, I can talk to you for hours, man. But we, we talked about difficulty a lot. Um, I want for people to realize all the difficulties, all the bad stuff, not all meant to be fixed as crazy as that sounds mm. um we're not here existing to fix all of these bad and difficult things the bad and difficult things are here to actually fix us <laughs> to help improve us to help refine us mm. and if you see that see that life allows all this difficulty whatever your your religion may be your beliefs may be all these bad things are allowed so that your faith can be increased to believe in whoever you believe in so realize the bad stuff isn't here to be removed. But if we just allow for these things to work in our benefit, then life would hit a little bit hard, uh, less hard. You know, it won't hit us as hard as it once did because we, we're seeing things from a different perspective. So if I if that can help one person that's hearing this thing right now uh, or more, that would be great because I, I will tell you that that changed so much for me. Once I began seeing life from that angle and not complaining so much mm-hmm. about all this bad stuff, oh, this happened, my boss did this, oh. yeah. it changed me dramatically. 
my friend i love that thank you so much for your time my brother no problem thanks ryan i appreciate it Hey, my friends, thank you for making it to the end. I hope that our time spent together today has left you a little bit better than before you push play. I'd really appreciate if you just took a moment to leave a review to allow me to meet more people where they are and hopefully leave them a little bit better too. If you're curious to know how I, through Always Better Than Yesterday, can serve you, your team, your organisation, then head to alwaysbetterthanyesterday.com to connect. And while you're there, let me know one or two things that you're going to do as a result of listening to this conversation. I absolutely love hearing your thoughts, your reflections, and the things that this spark in your own heart and mind. If you want more insights from my heart and mind, I do send out short episodes on a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. And again, I hope that they serve you well. I appreciate you listening. I'm Ryan Hartley, host of the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast, a podcast for heart-centered leaders just like you. Keep leading, my friends. Always love.